Well, good evening, and welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, I always, when I see the countdown, I'm always waiting for like fireworks to go off or something. You know, three, two, one, right? Doesn't work that way. As you, if you're not familiar with us, I'm, obviously I'm not Pastor Mike. He's much better looking than I am, but uh, he's in the Dominican Republic doing some ministry down there. So you got me. All right. Uh, we're going to continue on with his uh, study in Joshua that he's going through. If you've got a Bible with you or your device, turn to Joshua chapter 2, you folks on the line. And while I'm thinking of you, if you've got prayer requests, please be sure to type those in or other things, and folks will get back to you, and some will be praying for you just as they type them. And uh, you'll see some messages come up. To, if you have a prayer that you really don't want to put out there in public, you'll have information on how to get, get the prayer team to you. All right. So if you'll turn over to Joshua chapter 2. Uh, I guess the title of the night would be Grace in Strange Places. I started to call it Wrong Places, but really there's no wrong place for grace, right? But there can be some strange places <laughs> where we find God's grace. And so Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out a shittim, two men, to spy secretly, saying, Go for you the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. I don't know if any of you have ever done this. I'm going to try to encourage it that, you know, sometimes there's names and places that we can't spell, let alone pronounce, but it's kind of interesting to look them up sometimes. There was a place, I think it was in Chronicles, where this guy stood up and he said he was the son of this one, the son of that one, son of this one, the son of that one. By the time you translate all their names, it was like a, a seven-sentence sermon. The guy never opened his mouth, you know, because they would do that kind of thing. And so Je Joshua actually means Jehovah saved. And he's the son of Nun, and I know we make a lot of jokes about that because nuns don't normally have children. But it, his name actually means perpetuity, or basically forever, eternal, continuing. So if you look at that, from perpetuity, Jehovah has saved his people just by looking at those two names. Uh, we call him Jesus, but in Hebrew, his name is Jehoshaphat or Yeshua or Joshua, and he saves for perpetuity. So, so it's a, it's a two-pronged two sermon right there, just in his name. Now, Rahab's name means proud. Now, a lot of folks would think that a person of her occupation ought not to be proud, but maybe perhaps more fitting to be ashamed. But we're going to see how God had plans for this woman and took her from her shame and made her a proud mother, you know, because this is what God does. All right? So we're going to look at uh, Shatim. If you say it real fast, it doesn't sell bad in English, right? <laughs> but the shatim means acacia trees. And so this would be a perfect place for the children of Israel to be hiding in, is a place of you know, large trees. So in chapter 2, it says, It was told to king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which entered in thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. Now, she obviously was a person that would have a lot of knowledge of what was going on in the town because her house was right there on the wall. As you walk in the city, ta-ta, <laughs> Rahab's place, okay? Place of uh, room and entertainment, so to speak. Uh, the king may have even had her house watched because we find out later he had reason to be suspicious of strangers coming into the country. And somebody re reported and said, hey, look, two dudes went in <laughs> the Rahab's house. What kind of news is that? I mean, this is this big city of commerce, people coming and going all the time. Makes you wonder how these two sort of stood out 
They say, hey, look, that might be these uh, Hebrew people. I mean, it should look like any other person coming for a room. So it says in, in chapter, in verse 4, rather, And the women took the two men and hid them, and said, There came men unto me, but I knew not where they were from. And it came to pass about the time of shutting the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I know not. So, But pursue after them quickly, because you'll overtake them. Now, liar, liar. <laughs> her pants would have been more on fire. Everything would have been on fire if the king had not trusted her to tell him the truth. But she just flat out lied. And we're going to find out why in a couple of verses. Why she would take such a risk, because the king was not going to be friendly to that. You know, any nation where somebody in the nation hides a spy is not usually well thought of. In a lot of places, it usually means you're going to be shot by firing squad, something, you know, because they'll consider you a traitor. So here she is being a traitor to her own people. But she took that risk. And so she took them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stacks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. Now, this was a time of gathering the flax, and they would lay it out to dry out. And so there was a place for them, you know, to get under where they got in the middle of it, you know, like a haystack, not sure. But flax was used for medicine, food, clothing, but in the raw form. It was kind of prickly. <laughs> so I'm not real sure how comfortable a night they were spending. <laughs> but, you know, being that there were soldiers, probably nights of comfort were not necessarily a routine thing anyhow. So probably not so bad for them. And said, and then the men pursued them all the way to Jordan under the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them went out, they shut the gate. She sent them on a long goose chase, all the way to the Jordan. You know? <laughs> and it, she knew she has obviously knew how these people work, because later she says hey, they're gonna be gone three days. So she has monitored. She knows everything that's going on in that city, even down to how the army works, <laughs> you know, how the king's guards work. So once the gate was shut, though, they were good for the night because most people were going to go to bed, not a lot of prying eyes, not a lot of questions about what's going on over at Rahab's. In fact, probably a lot of people never paid attention to what Rahab was. They just, oh, Rahab's place and went on. So it says, before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. Now, she's getting them ready for bed, but she wants to have a conversation because I'm sure they're wondering <laughs> why. Is this woman helping me? What is going on here? We thought for sure <laughs> we've been found out and we're dead men. So it's good that she decided to have a conversation because I don't think I'd have slept well that night without a conversation and knowing what's going on with this woman. And so she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land are faint because of you. Wait a minute, this was the place where the Israelites were scared to death to go into 40 years ago. And yet, there's, she's sitting there saying, we are faint. <laughs> we're scared the fire about you coming. Oh, but they're like, we're like, you know, they're giants. Well, a scared giant goes down just as easy as a scared small person. <laughs> you know, but uh, he, he says, for we've heard of how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that are on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. There already, no, these folks have been quite victorious. They took out two kings. Yeah. 
Nowadays, we're lucky if we can take out one when we go up against our enemies because we've got so many enemies. There's more kings we know what to do with. And it says, as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I mean, this is, you know, all you're hearing is what's going on, but they know that you are children of the Lord. You know, Jehovah is your God, and they believed in those days especially that their gods were the ones that kept them safe in battle, you know, caused them victories. So they're looking at this group of people coming up from Egypt, which Egypt has already been a terror to a lot of folks over the years. They know the power of Egypt. And if you took out the Egyptians, you took out two kings on the other side of Jordan, it's not looking real good for us, okay? You know, we can't just sit back and say, ha, ah, they won't come over this way. For 40 years, they've been thinking this now. Think about that. For 40 years, it's just like, when are they coming? How do we prepare for it? But they don't know. They are faint. They're weak. There's no courage in their men. I guarantee you, you go up against a bunch of guys with no courage, you don't have to have a whole lot to beat them because they're going to run or surrender. I mean, we've got stories from World War II where one man took 200 prisoners in World War II. He just walked up. They said, we quit, <laughs> and away we go. They had lost courage. At that point, it was towards the end of the war. They said, why should I get killed? We're losing anyhow, right? Well, these people haven't even entered into battle yet, but they've heard enough that don't want to do this, <laughs> don't want to be a part of this. And it's interesting how, you know, she says, we know that we're done. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no... Jonah running into the city saying 30 days and you're destroyed in Nineveh. You, you heard about something they did 40 years ago. And you're still paranoid. And you still know that we're going down. That's a whole generation of people. While the Israelites were out wandering around in the wilderness because they were afraid, there's people been in stark raving fear for 40 years. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. They, wouldn't, you know, they didn't have the internet back in the day, <laughs> but it was amazing how news gets around, but considering you had 40 years to get that news out, you know, it could spread pretty far and wide. It's just like you're wondering, what's their strategy? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna sneak up on us. They're going to do this. You know? you got all kinds of things going. Well, maybe we can defend ourselves this way. Defend ourselves. And they finally just say, I can't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm no courage. I just, just please come get it over with, I guess. Just come take us and get done because I'm tired of worrying about it. He says, it's, what if the Israelites were taken and gone in when God said so? They would have been in the land 40 years victorious already. Start wandering around. <laughs> you know, a lot of lost people sometimes make a big joke about, well, it's not that far. They shouldn't have took that long. It's not that they couldn't, you know, find it. It's just God wouldn't let them in. 40 years. But yet, they did a lot of wandering. Now, verse 12, he says, Therefore, I pray you swear by my Lord, by the, by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you also show kindness upon my father's house and give me a true token. That makes sense. <laughs> I've helped you. What, you know, can you help, help me out a little bit here? Right? The negotiations are starting. I want that you'll save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Not much to ask. 
you know, how big this family is. I'm trying to figure out how they're going to make this transition to everybody being in the house without causing suspicion. Yeah, it's either a very small family or <laughs> this is going to take a while to get all that together. And the men answered, our life for yours. If you do not tell anybody this business, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So she let him down by a cord through a window, and because her, her house was upon the town wall, she dwelt upon the wall. Very convenient when you're trying to get people over the wall, right, to live right there. And she said unto them, get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward you may go your way. Again, three days, hide up in the mountains. They won't look for you there because they think you went this way. That's pretty good coming from an enemy, right? And when you read some of the stories of World War II, you know, how the French resistance and some of the other ones took their life in their own hands trying to hide American troops or hiding Jews, you know, this, this concept is not new, but it is rare. So, of course, naturally she asked for her family to be spared. She knows the city's going, but could you keep me out of it? She had to have faith in them. I mean, a pagan would have made the promise, but wouldn't have necessarily kept it, right? In fact, more likely wouldn't have kept it. And if you notice, they escaped like Paul <laughs> with a rope over the wall. So Paul needed the basket. Apparently at that time in his ministry, he wasn't quite as fit as those soldiers that shinny down a rope. <laughs> he needed the basket. I would need a basket and 10 guys to lower me down because, you know, the weight issue, you know. And I'm not shinnying down anything, so <laughs> I'm with Paul. Take the basket down. But it's interesting how her house must have been so situated that it was like a blind spot or something because surely it had guards on the wall. I mean, especially since you've been sitting here 40 years worrying about when they're coming. <laughs> you think you would have people on the wall, but apparently her house was in such a way they could go down the wall and nobody saw them. Especially after they should be on alert because the two guys had been known to come in. So God put Rahab's house where it needed to be long before the guys got there. See, that's God's foreknowledge, God's foreplanning, right? But we don't think about that sometimes because all we see is this tiny little picture. <laughs> and we, we can see about this far and sometimes not more than this far where God looks out <laughs> decades. Yeah. I don't think Rahab's house just went up overnight, you know, just for two weeks before they walked in there. She had an established business was well known in the community, had the eye and ear of everything that was going on. He put her there at the right time to gain the info, to be in the spot. What do you think? You think he might do that for us? You think that sometimes we're a little bit short-sighted? <laughs> you know, that God doesn't have a wall and a rope to get us over the edge? I think sometimes we do forget the provision of God. And of course, the men again swore unto her, says, you know, we're blameless with this oath which you made to swear. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We're men of our word. Okay? And so, you know, it goes through bringing all the father and mother households, all the things. And, but they said, here's one caveat. You come out the door. <laughs> when the battle's going on, yeah, your folks are fair game. If they go down, it's on you. 
Now, if you stay in the house and somebody touches the head of any of your loved ones, well, then that's on us. But you do what you're told, and you'll be safe. How many times if we did what we were told, <laughs> we would be safe. Yeah, as, I, as I got much older, I started realizing how many things my mother tried to spare me, <laughs> tried to tell me. Yeah, every now and then when I open the door for a lady, I tell the woman, I say, well, my mother tried to raise me, right? <laughs> it was a tough fight, but it was, it was, she tried. And there's so many times when we listen and things work out, but we forget yeah, and uh, it's a good thing we're not in the Old Testament because there's, you know, there's a passage in there that says that he that will not hearken to the priest shall be brought to the door of the, of the village and be stoned to death. How many church members <laughs> have pastors counseled, try to help, try to keep them from getting into trouble, and they just <laughs> go opposite of what they were told to do? You know? Sometimes we're just like, you know, teenagers, <laughs> even when we're 80. <laughs> we're teenagers. God says, do it. Nah, I think I do it my way. And we get in all kinds of trouble. But it's good, though. I mean, God doesn't just save one person. He was willing to save the whole family. Yeah? And he wants all our whole family to be saved, right? Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. I've got grandchildren that have kind of gone <laughs> off the wayward side for a while. They may, I'm trusting that one day they'll come back. There's, there's, there's reasons. They sort of have some justification, but there's no real justification because no matter what happens to us, we're still supposed to respond in the right way. But that's unfortunately not how we do things. It says, if you tell it now, if you utter this business, then that's it. The oath is over. And uh, whatever you made us swear, it's off the table. We find out you told somebody, when we're coming in, you're going down too. Seems fair. <laughs> right? You cut a, cut a deal, cut a covenant, cut a contract, you're supposed to keep it, right? I can remember reading about, I don't think I ever experienced that, I remember reading where people could make million dollar deals with a shake of a hand. And the man's word was as good as gold. Now you got 37 hired Philadelphia lawyers that get you out of any contract. <laughs> yeah, there's a loophole somewhere. We just got to dig deep enough and we'll find it. Oh, eh, too bad. Contract's breached. That's one thing. God keeps his contracts. You know, he makes a promise. He's going to keep it. Now, it doesn't say it's going to happen tomorrow. May not happen next year. I've heard people say, I prayed for somebody for 25 years, and they finally got saved. One story I read about, the person died that was doing the praying, and the guy got saved two years later. So the guy prayed for who knows how long and never saw the fruit, but God still answered the prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're dead. I mean, Elisha, they threw a dead man on his bones, and he came to life because God had promised him double the miracles of Elijah, but when he died, he was one short. <laughs> there it is. There's, there's your double. So even, even if you're dead, if God made a promise to you, it's going to happen. That's a good God, eh? Yeah. Oh, that we were so good at keeping our promises. Woo. Mm. 
hard as we try sometimes, we're just not quite as good as God in that area. And he said, according to your words, be it. And she sent them away and departed, and she put the scarlet thread in the window. They said, here's how we'll know. Put the scarlet thread in the window you let us down from, and we'll know not to hit that area. Now, they just left. (laughs) And she's got the scarlet thing up there already because she doesn't know when this thing's going to go down. So she's already starting to work on her the part that they promised because she doesn't know when they're coming. You know, that scarlet thread, does that remind you of anything? The blood in the doorpost? <laughs> right? That kept the children of Israel from the angel of death for the firstborn? And wasn't the command the same? Stay in the house? They come out the house? You know, everything's over. So these guys knew that story because most of them, I'm sure, lived it, maybe as kids. And so they say, hey, we're going to do the same thing God did. Put some red scarlet in there. You know, what else is a scarlet line? <laughs> what else is like Passover with blood on the doorpost and the lintels, the cross of Christ? See, it's always a scarlet something <laughs> that God uses to, to save souls. And that's just, you know, you can't hardly comprehend that sometimes. And so as good soldiers... They went into the mountain in verse 22, and they stayed there three days, okay, until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all the way. They found them not. Now, what if they just said, eh, we can sneak past them? <laughs> because as they're coming back, you don't know where the pursuers are going to be and the way you're going. You think, well, we'll miss them. You might run right smack into them. Yeah. So three days, stay still. Most of us would have probably gotten a little stir-crazy, unless you're a camper, <laughs> and you like sitting out in the woods with the bugs and the whatever. I didn't like it when the Army paid me to go camping. I wasn't going to pay to go do it. <laughs> but you know, good soldiers, they stayed up there. They followed their directions and went home safely. Again, if, how many times have we just follow directions? <laughs> follow directions. And, and hey, I am as a human as anybody in this building, probably maybe even more so. <laughs> Some of y'all are probably giants of the faith, and I'm, I'm David against the Goliaths. I don't know. But if we just follow directions, <laughs> yeah, life could be so simple. Now you know why Christ had to come die for us, because we're really not good at following directions. 600 and some odd laws, and most of us can't keep the 10. <laughs> you know. so, so they returned, they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord had delivered into our hands all the land, for even the, all the inhabitants of the country do faint before us. Was not, not what <laughs> uh, Joshua and Caleb said 40 years ago? We can do this. <laughs> this is doable. We can surely take the land. And ten said, uh-uh. <laughs> ten doubters, two, two men of faith. And who we go with? The majority. The majority is not always right. right. Any of you ever saw the movie The Minority Report? They'd have three guys that supposedly could tell when you were going to do a crime. They, they, knew, they knew Terry's going to steal a chocolate bar when he was five, and they'd arrest him for the crime he didn't commit yet. <laughs> but they had... 
and they're supposed to all three agree, but they added up this one guy, and, and the, one of the threes, mm, this ain't right. Well, we're not going to listen. That must be a malfunction on him. We're going to go with the majority. Be careful, because the majority's not always right. If I remember that Fulton's Folly, everybody said that there'd be a steamship. Wright brothers were crazy. Henry Ford was nuts. <laughs> We'd never fly, and there'd be a man on the moon, da-da-da-da. The majority of that just, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Henry did it. Sometimes you have to go with what God told you to do regardless of who says not. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's times you just have to stand alone. And we're scared to do that because, you know, like me, I like to be liked. I really don't like anybody to be upset with me. But welcome to this world. There are times that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You know, in fact, I'm their strong coffee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes a little bitter maybe to their, to their taste. I need more stevia. But uh, I have gotten a lot better, folks. I mean, it used to be they said the only tack I knew was a tack, so I'm doing pretty good in my old age. I've mellowed some. But when God calls you to it, then you have to do it. You know? I mean, I'm standing here tonight behind this pulpit. You know how many people over the years have told me, nah, you're too young. <laughs> you're not educated enough. You're too educated. You're too bold, not bold enough. <laughs> too deep, too shallow, <laughs> too fat. You know, if I'd have listened to all that, I wouldn't be here tonight. Of course, some of you probably say, oh, praise the Lord. But, you know. You, you just have to do. I, I tried to walk away from ministry and couldn't do it because of all the stuff that I've heard and gone through. But I'm still here. I've tried to walk away and got, eh, not. <laughs> not going to do it. And so God's going to give you at some point in your life something like that that he says, I want you to do this. And everybody in your family may say, no, oh, no, 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 don't do that. That's crazy. You can't do that. You, know, you may get counsel from other places. No, 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 I can't do that. But if the Lord tells you, and you know without a shadow of doubt, you're taking verses in context, not taking woo, feelings and just ripping verses out like some people do. I mean, you rip verses out, you can get almost anything. You pull them out of context, you can, you can prove almost anything. But if you know deep in your heart this is what you're called to do, you better do it. Because you will be miserable otherwise. And I say this almost every message people probably think is don't you know another word verb <laughs> but God has given each and every one of you at least one gift some of you got more some of you have more that you never tried to use because you were happy using the two that you had you didn't want to branch out to the three or four he didn't give it to you to look at it on a shelf like a, a memento go oh cool I got the gift of whatever he gave it to you to use it and when you use it, the power comes. You ever try to turn a, a car with the engine off? It doesn't work well, <laughs> right? But when the power's on, it steers pretty good, right? Of course, some of us that are old enough to remember no power steering. <laughs> yeah, nowadays, it's like I can do almost with my finger, you know? But you have to do that. I'm convinced that most people in church and most people, unfortunately, in nursing homes and, and retired people are depressed and miserable because they have no purpose. They've given up on their dreams. They've given up on their gifts. They think they should have retired. Yeah, I told the congregation, well, I told the pulpit committee the other day that your gifts are your gifts until you're dead. 
You know, God, God doesn't believe in retirement in the Christian realm. You won't find that anywhere in the scripture. You may modify what you do, you know. You, know, you may not be able to go out and knock on doors and win people in Christ and stuff like you used to or not do it as quickly as I used to. <laughs> I don't cover as many houses as I used to in a given time. But it's still there to be used in some way. I mean, if, if there's ever been a need for the gift of encouragement, <laughs> we've certainly got it going on today. We need that desperately. I bet there's not a person in this room that couldn't get giddy over an encouraging word. Does someone come up out of nowhere and say, you know, I've watched you, and I, I like the way you sing, or I like the way you pay attention to Pastor Mike, or I... I I like that you're here consistently. You know, I can set, set my clock that you're going to be here. And, and you encourage me just by showing up. That happens. I mean, I had a young man one time tell me, he'd just been saved not too long. And he comes over and says, Brother Ron, I don't think I belong in this church. I told him, hey, brother, when you see them, throw me out. You get worried. <laughs> All right? A year later, he comes back to me and says, you do not know how many times I looked over to see if you were there. <laughs> yeah. Just me being there was an encouragement to him. And now he's a worldwide evangelist, takes Bibles to Vietnam, does all kinds of stuff, you know. But there for a while, he, what if, what if I had decided to take three months off? Oh, no, they threw Ron out. Because you know how rumors would get going, right? <laughs> they threw Ron out. Yeah. He could have got discouraged and never done anything. Nothing on me other than I showed up. Sometimes God just wants you to show up. And not show out, but show up. So, you, like these two, the first two faithful witnesses of uh, what God said was true, and then these two soldiers now, sometimes we just have to be the minority report. You know, if we just sit down and become yes men, I don't know about you, but I was in the Workforce, I hated yes men. Drove me crazy. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. The boss said it, it's golden, even if it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, even if he says, this is what we're going to do at the beginning of the meeting, and then at the end of the meeting, he totally flips it. I'd get in trouble because, wait a minute. <laughs> you said two plus two is four over here. Now you're telling me it's two plus two is three. What? What are we doing? I'd get in trouble for that, but hey, you know, you have to do what you have to do. There's an old song that says, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. Well, concerning Rahab's occupation, <laughs> it's somewhat fitting. But you know, most people would walk by Rahab and not witness to her, especially us refined Christians. Uh, you know, trip when we can't see over our nose because it's so far up in the air. But you know, <laughs> that's the people that God called us to. You know, if you see in Corinthians, he says he calls the weak, the base, the foolish. And if you look at the testimonies of most of the people that God used, don't necessarily have a good background. They don't necessarily have the highest of morals. David, a man after God's own heart, commits murder and adultery, the two unpardonable sins of the Old Testament, because there was no sacrifice. You do those, you're dead. And God spared him. Rahab, 
you know, there's, you know, he, he brings grace and love into many places and many people that sadly we would turn away from. They don't look like us. They got weird habits. <laughs> you know, different things. They just don't fit in our category. Yeah. That's why we need to be a very friendly church. We are fairly fr friendly, but I have had people tell me that they came in and never got acknowledged. Nobody shook their hand. Nobody said, oh, hey, you're new here. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's hard, especially Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> if you sit in this side and they sit in this side, you may never meet them for months. Okay. And to, to move a large crowd of people walking around all over the place grabbing hands, but the dude next to you. If you don't know the dude or the dudette next to you, say, hey, I'm Ron. Show them some grace because you don't know how badly they need that. You have no clue that they came in here and said, if these people don't love on me, I'm done with God. If these people are like other Christians that I've known, I am done with God. And yet this is the place to be full of grace mercy as well as the truth now mercy grace love and truth are kind of bound together you got to have them all to have the real stuff but we have to overcome sometimes our own inhibitions obviously those who know me i am not an introvert not even close <laughs> very last yes amen i hear that amen my wife on the other hand yeah, more of an introvert pretty much I'm an extrovert with all caps, and she's like an introvert with all lowercase. You know, but amazing how well we fit together for 52 years, right? <clears throat> Sometimes she ha she has to extend herself beyond her normal considerations, you know? and we all have to do that. We have to come out of the comfort zone. God never called us to comfort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, something I've always said that there are many gifts in the Bible, but pew sitting is not one of them. Pew warming, you know. I want you to be crazy happy, crazy joyful, living the abundant life. But you can't do that without exercising your gift. If you don't know what it is, hey, I guarantee you there's people around here to try to help you find that thing, okay? It's probably not that hard. Right now, I am the happiest I've been in a long time because I'm exercising my gift. Okay? I mean, yes, I put stuff in the internet and I got sermons all over the world stuff like that there that's not the same because I like bodies <laughs> I like people you know I was desperate when during lockdown I watched game shows with my wife just so I could see other people <laughs> I, I had to know that her and I were not the only people left on the planet and all this stuff on TV was just recorded <laughs> you know so different styles we have different styles different gifts but God gives gifts to introverts and extroverts okay and sometimes he'll take an introvert and turn him into an extrovert. You know, how many pastors I heard say, man, you know, Brother Ron, I was such an introvert when I was younger. And now, hmm, that's gone. <laughs> that's out of there. They're almost more extrovert than I am. And that's going a little bit to get there. <coughs> so, but you know, sometimes we're like the religious people in the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, we're, we're just, <laughs> stroll away from that. <clears throat> I won't get involved with that. I won't get my hands dirty. They look like they might be trouble. They may take up a lot of my time. But that's who we're called for. 
grace in strange places. You know, Jesus spent most of his time with sinners. I have to admit, a lot of time my ministry has been with the elect, <laughs> you know, with the saved. But I've got more going on now. I'm working with some place with homeless veterans, and I know a place for a soup kitchen and things like that I get involved with more. And we need to do that. You know, it's great that we're all going to heaven, but there's a whole lot of people out there that ain't and could if we go to them. Yep, they'll be messy. There's no doubt about it. They'll be messy. But you know, it's interesting. Rahab ends up in Jesus' lineage. <laughs> All right. Tamar, who did intentional incest to get the child she was due. I mean, she was supposed to be married you know, to the last son and, and have a child. So she says, I'll fix this. Well, we know how that worked <laughs> with some other people when they tried to fix it. But she is still in the lineage. Not exactly women we think of for a royal messianic lineage. <laughs> yeah, we all have those family members we wonder where they came from, right? Yeah, somebody was dropped as a child or something. Like, sure they're not adopted. Yeah, how they fit here? Yeah, the crazy uncle, the weird aunt, whatever. But Jesus <laughs> takes the weird aunt and the crazy uncle and does marvelous things with them, crazy things with them in our eyes. But it's just what he does. Two spies put their trust in an enemy <laughs> to protect them on their mission. That is a God thing. Okay? God showed his grace to a madam and spared her family from death like he did his own people so many years before. God showed his men that he is in control and protection comes from him. <laughs> yeah? They, they probably, they're probably like ninjas. They probably went in there, they were like, you know, trained, ready to fight, ready to do whatever. Didn't need it. <laughs> a lady hit him. <laughs> Where are you tonight? Do you feel like you're in a strange land and vulnerable? God can protect you and bring you home. Some of us have wandered a bit. We all wander a bit sometimes, but some of us may be really out there in the far land. Maybe some of y'all listening tonight online. You say, I'll listen here, but I don't want to go to church because I don't want to get hurt again. Come, come, come see me. We'll compare scars. <laughs> yeah. If I came to church or quit coming to church because of scars, I'd have quit a long time ago. You know, my journey with the brethren <laughs> has not always been friendly, has not always been kind, has not always been loving. But the point is, Jesus is. And the message and the mission is about him. Now, if everybody loves me, hey, I'm great. But if nobody loves me, Jesus still does. And I still have a mission. I still have a purpose. You, yeah, you may not be in the best of moral conditions either. Yeah, you may not have been you know, a prostitute or, or anything like that, but you might have been used and abused. Yeah, there's healing in Jesus. <laughs> he will not use you. He will not abuse you. Yeah. So, you know, come back to him. Come back to him. Yeah, whatever your story is, and we all got one, some of us have lived the life of Riley, which I'm old, that nobody even knows what that means, but it means a very sheltered life, pampered life, great life. Some of us have had that, had the silver spoon in their mouth and all that. You know, I had a Dixie cup and a wooden spoon, you know, but hey, 
We all have a story. As a kid, voted was most likely to be in jail in high school. Yeah, I did become a jail minister for a while, so you know they sort of got that, but that wasn't the side of the bars they thought on. In fact, it's hilarious to them. Uh, on call chaplain now for the sheriff's department, they <laughs> they would say, "Yeah, he's going to see a lot of badges in his life." They never thought he'd get one, right? Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> God works. <laughs> God does things that will just blow your mind. In fact, a substitute teach, that would really kill them. My teachers would roll over in their grave if they knew that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what you got going on. I really don't. And to be honest, it doesn't matter. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know who didn't love you. I don't know who hurt you. I don't know what scared you. But I know where the cure is. I know the man that can fix it, the son of God. You know, look for his scarlet blood on the cross and come in through him, the door, and you can find healing, you can find peace, you can find rest, and you can find a person that you don't know, but he did from eternity past. He knew who you are, where you were, and he knows what he wants to do with you. Will you be like the spies? And trust him for protection. Will you be like Rahab? All I know is I heard of him. I heard of him, but I put my trust in him for my salvation, for the deliverance of my family. That's what you need. That's what you want. And it's available. You know, some of you may be online and you're, you're in a different church. Okay? If, you're in, if you're walking with Jesus, that's okay. But if you got nowhere... If you came across this somehow, you don't really have a church home, this is a pretty good place. Think about it. They let me here. Okay? If they let me here, they're going to let you here. They even let me preach. That's how good they are, right? So, you know, come, come visit us. Come back. I, I told the brother here, come back Wednesday night when Pastor Mike was preaching. <laughs> this is his first time on a Wednesday night. Yeah, I said, come back when the, <laughs> the real teacher's up here, you know. And, uh, you will, you will love Pastor Mike. I have served with many men in my life. Some I wish I wouldn't have. Others, they're pretty good. Pastor Mike is at the top of the line. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know anybody else that fulfills the term pastor as well as he does. And he's got so much going on. How he does it. I'm a busy guy. He makes me look like sitting. I sit on the bench just drinking iced tea. But he's, he's got a heart for you because he has a heart for Jesus. And this congregation will love you. Some of them are introverts. You may have to work with them a little bit, okay? And you may have to reach out to them. But once you reach out to them, they will embrace you. Just, you know, the introverts at a dance, nobody's dancing because everybody's waiting for somebody else to ask, right? <laughs> That's how that works sometimes. But God uses introverts. God uses extroverts. God uses failures because that's all he's got. We've all failed somewhere along the line, some really big, some not so big, but we failed. But he will show grace in strange places. And he will show grace in strange faces. Yeah, if you feel a little strange and out there, come to Jesus. He'll take you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. He's very inclusive, but exclusive. Nobody comes unto the Father but by him, but he said he'd draw all men and women to him. 
So come tonight. Come to Jesus if you've never come to him in salvation. Come home to him if you're hurt. Let him heal you. He is the great physician. You say, Ron, I'm a really strange person. I've done strange things. Piece of cake for Jesus. Don't worry what people think about you. Amen. Just worry about Jesus thinks, what he thinks. And he loves you. And he wants to do things for you. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much that you are who you are. Your son is who he is. And the Holy Spirit is who he is. Because we can't make it without you. We can't. This whole world is insane. <laughs> it's brutal. It, it's, it's, it's madness is really what it is. And so, Father, we would ask that whoever's out there tonight with a broken heart, be it in the building, be it online, that you would reach down and touch the spot. And when you touch it, it probably hurt because they maybe have denied the hurt for a long time. But when you touch it, it's only to make them aware that you know where they hurt and you're going to heal it. So, Father, stretch out your arms of love. Whisper in their ears, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will love you, and I will never leave you, nor forsake you, or abuse you. And I thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Good night, folks. Thank you for listening, and uh, look forward to Brother Mike being back next week. Amen. My soul undeserved.